summertime is for stargazing when you're a kid. It's about no school tomorrow, laying on the lawn late at night, looking up, seeing stars and planets and comets and everything else. When I was a kid in the summer, I could walk out my front door at night, look up and see a spiral arm of the Milky Way galaxy. It was amazing. And later, as a teenager in the summer, I'd just stay up late at night watching movies on MST3K or up all night with Gilbert Gottfried, be about space aliens and UFOs, uh, Earth versus the Flying Saucer. As an adult, I get hearings by the House Oversight Committee's Subcommittee on National Security, the Border, and Foreign Affairs about unexplained anomalous phenomena. UAPs. Eh, I'll take it. I'm Adam Wilson. This is the Compass of Power, and we like to put the place in politics. Uh, I say that our politics are shaped more by the differences between regional culture than most of the other factors we think about. I always use the uh, nations established by the Nationhood Lab, that is, these regional groups uh, in the United States that have been in conflict as we have evolved over hundreds of years. And we're going to use that model to look at UFOs, a.k.a. UAPs. UAPs uh, are strange things that have mostly been seen by pilots, and mostly what we hear about are from military pilots. As they fly around, they encounter an object that appears to be a vehicle, but it does not behave anything like our known technology, especially the best known cases. And because these sightings have been mounting over the past 20 years, and there has been a growing feeling in Congress that the Pentagon is either not taking them seriously, or if it is taking them seriously, not being forthright about what it is finding, the aforementioned House Oversight Committee subcommittee recently had an explosive hearing, or at least a fun hearing, uh, Last end of, last week in July, with a pair of pilots who had firsthand accounts of experiences with UAPs, and what we're going to listen to is the money moment. This is the moment in which U.S. Representative Nancy Mace talks with David Grush, who served for 14 years as an intelligence officer in the Air Force and National Geospatial, Geospatial Intelligence Agency. And he was involved in some of the Pentagon's work to better collect and better report on these phenomena. He later became a whistleblower of sorts, saying that the Pentagon, the federal government, is doing more, has no more, knows more than it is letting on with Congress. So let's listen in to the big convo. You've stated that the government is in possession of potentially non-human spacecraft. Based on your experience and extensive conversations with experts, do you believe our government has made contact with intelligent extraterrestrials? It's something I can't discuss in public setting. 
Um, okay, I can't ask when you think this occurred. <laughs> um, if you believe we have crashed craft, uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? As I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries. Yeah. Um, were they, I guess, human or non-human biologics? Non-human, and that was the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. And was this documentary evidence, this video, photos, eyewitness? Like, how would that be determined? The specific documentation I would have to talk to you in a skiff about. I don't know if you caught that, but it sounds a little bit like an alien spaceship landed, crashed, something, the military got its hands on it, and possibly the large-headed green man inside. <laughs> I mean, that's what it sounds like, right? Uh, at first glance, that's your impression you're given. We can break this down a little bit later about <laughs> whether or not that actually occurred, what does that really mean, and the internet is made to investigate strange things. So you can find out a lot more on that. But I want to stick with the regional thing first. So who was this uh, lady from Congress who drew this out, who was the breakout star, as she was called, for asking these questions? And Nancy Mace is a really interesting character from South Carolina. She's a Republican. And if you look her up, uh, she's known for her not totally Trumpian stances. Why would that be interesting? I mean, there's a lot of people who aren't total Trumpians, but if you read her like Wikipedia entry, it's going to be a lot of like, she didn't go along with this and she didn't go along with that. Well, she is from the first district in South Carolina, which is the Southern half of their Atlantic coast. And South Carolina is super important in American history and culture. What we think of as Southern culture came from South Carolina people landed in South Carolina. Uh, it's, of course, famous for its plantation systems and was uh, the state where the Civil War started to defend uh, the slave-based plantation system. And their culture had spread out from the Atlantic coast and headed west, like a lot of cultures did. And so what we're getting here, we would argue, using our perspective, is an essentially southern perspective. And the first thing I would point out is that she's not uh, ferocious. She's interested in asking really sort of um, – she's being very credulous here. She's asking frank questions and does not seem to be very self-conscious about how it sounds, which I I appreciate. Look what we got out of it. Um, and I think that tells you that she does not feel like this is, is like a particularly concerning to go out there and just ask these questions. In fact, later she was quoted as saying when they asked her about uh, this idea that the U.S. had some kind of physical evidence of aliens, she said, quote, I'm going to have to see the evidence. When I say evidence, I'm going to actually have to touch a thing and see it and see if it's actually real because it's so far out of this world. But I'm not saying it's out of the realm of possibility. Um. So that's her perspective, and I appreciate how it's very uh, down-to-earth, I guess is what we call it, down-to-earth. What is this committee? This committee, the House Oversight and Accountability Committee, uh, goes after what should be good government topics, but uh, the House is run by the Republicans right now, and that committee, if you go on its website, is deeply concerned with Biden family influence. I mean, it's very partisan. It's very, you know, like, what is this scandal with Hunter and 
so on and so forth. And turns out UAPs, UFOs are not top of the list for this committee. It's headed by James Coomer, who is from Kentucky. Uh, and Kentucky would be Appalachian culture. And Appalachia is separate from Southern culture, although it is right next door. It runs down the Appalachian Mountains out to North Texas, and they are famous for being hard-charging, for being suspicious of outsiders and outside power, and they value victory. They, whatever you're doing in Appalachia, the point is to win. On the panel from Appalachia is Timothy Floyd Burchett, a Republican from Tennessee, uh, based in Knoxville, the second congressional district. And I enjoyed his quote, which was uh, reported widely after that hearing, which was, quote, we're going to uncover the cover-up, and I hope this is just the beginning of many more hearings and many more people coming forward about this. Okay, so that's their tone. We're going to uncover the cover-up. That sounds very reminiscent of what you would hear from the Appalachians for all time, uh, the archetypal one being President Andrew Jackson, who famously despised the idea of a national bank because it would concentrate the power in the hands of a few bureaucrats in, in Washington, which was kind of a swamp at the time. Uh, and it, they haven't changed much, have they? Let's, but what about the head of the subcommittee? So some of the color commentary came from Southerners and from Appalachians in that hearing, but the head of the subcommittee had a remarkably different tone when he started things off. And let's listen to now the, uh, chairman of the subcommittee, Glenn Grothman of Wisconsin. Um, The lack of transparency regarding UAPs has fueled wild speculation and debate for decades, eroding public trust in the very institutions that are meant to serve and protect them, as is evidenced by the large number of people we have here. It's a little different, isn't it? It's about public trust. Grothman represents Washington, Wisconsin's 6th district, north of Milwaukee, which is Yankeedom. The Yankees started in New England in the Massachusetts area and, like the Southerners, moved due west to include Wisconsin. And they are known for communal government. They really like government, unlike the Appalachians, and they want the government and the people to be one. They want everyone to be on the same page about what the government should do, and they want the government to be forthright and frank with the people. You want that. This is kind of like the concept of good government as practiced in the United States kind of comes out of the Yankee tradition of accountability, transparency, not in limited government per se, but in transparent and tied in government. And so the issue for someone from Yankeedom is about whether if by not being forthright about what it knows, the Pentagon, AKA the federal government is creating an environment in which the people no longer trust their uh, dear friend. Hmm. Let's put this in a historical context. Cause I think so far everybody's playing to type on that panel. Where do UFOs fit in? Like what's the regional history of UFOs? Well, first of all, they came from where I'm sitting right now, which is the left coast. The left coast, the Pacific coast was uh, founded by, Two of our previous characters, Yankees, who came over here by boat and founded the governments, and Appalachians, who came over by wagon and took up residence in the hills. So it's a very liberal politics today, especially given that the cities are growing very rapidly. But there is a bit of Appalachian tendency to explore and to get ornery. The first UFO ever, at least as we understand them today, was sighted on June 24th, 1947, near Mount Rainier, which is not far from me, in Washington State, by Kenneth 
Albert Arnold. And he specifically said that he saw something like, uh, as he was piloting near Rainier, something that looked like a tea saucer, I think is what he actually said, or a tea dish. Uh, he may have, uh, he may have said that he saw something like skipping on the water. But the point is that what it brought to mind for folks then that we don't hear about anymore now are the little saucer you would put under a teacup. You might see it in uh, Downton Abbey, but I don't see it too much anyplace else around here. Suddenly, flying saucer fever. And the real incident was not the one near Mount Rainier, but near Roswell, New Mexico. New Mexico was a great place to do top secret work uh, leading into and through World War II because it might as well have been the moon as far as Washington, D.C. was concerned. I mean, as far as the East Coast power brokers were concerned, sparsely populated New Mexico was Planet X. And that's where they decided to do some of their research. And just a month after the flying saucer incident near Mount Rainier, the Roswell incident occurs. That is, some sort of wreckage is found outside a Roswell Army airfield, and the personnel show up there, and they take possession of this crashed thing. They put out a press release about it, and the conspiracy quickly grows that what they found was a flying saucer. It had crashed, and the pilots were uh, still there, and they gathered up the alien bodies and the UFO and took it off to a secret base to re uh what do they call it? reverse engineer it to develop new american technology to fight the cold war which is exactly what we were just talking about in july in the house uh oversight committee it is exactly the same theory which is that aliens come down they get in trouble they crash the military goes and recovers that stuff including the aliens brings it to some secret location to use to develop more top secret technology so back when I was watching MST3K during the summer, uh, the U.S. Air Force actually put out a report. This is 1994, and they concluded that the thing that crashed outside Roswell was a spy balloon, a top-secret space balloon uh, called Project Mogul. And it was to you know go at super high altitude and go over the Soviet Union and check on the commies. I don't know. But... Not unlike the spy balloon we just had from China, the idea was like you're going to be able to spy surreptitiously, but we weren't sure exactly what would happen to people inside. So as I recall, the the money part was that they had put inside the capsule underneath the balloon some test dummies that had rubberized skin and aluminum skeletons. So you can imagine how it might appear if you are out in New Mexico and there's a bunch of wreckage around and what looks like bodies with aluminum skeletons or metal skeletons being scooped up by the army and hauled away somewhere. That's the sort of thing that uh, creates conspiracy theories. That's 1947. Within five years, we start Project Blue Book, which not unlike exactly what's happening now, the Pentagon decides we got to get on top of this. How many of these sightings are explainable, how many of them are weather phenomenon or aircraft that just weren't recognized, and do any of them represent advanced technology that can invade our airspace and create a threat to national security? It's exactly the same conversation we're having right now. They eventually, after uh, more than 10 years of research, decide that, like we hear right now from the Pentagon, that this is 90% explainable. It's uh, misunderstandings, weather phenomena, aircraft that we didn't recognize, uh, equipment malfunctions within the aircraft, you know, well, well your radar was off. Um, 
So most of it's unexplainable, but there is, there was in Project Blue Book, and there is now this little nugget of stuff that can't be explained that keeps this open, that we can't explain exactly what we saw. In the case right now, you know, one of the Pentagon officials who uh, testified to this committee, he was asked, well, what's one that we can't explain? It would be the famous Tic Tac incident, which was in the, off the coast of San Diego, I think. 2003 or 2004, I think 2004, uh, one of the pilots involved testified to the committee uh, same time as Grush did and explained this incident in which he was dispatched to fly a mission, was diverted to go investigate an object. The object appeared to be a Tic Tac. That is, it had no wings. It had no rotors. It had no jet wash on the water. It didn't even have an infrared signature, and yet it was able to descend from 80,000 feet, which is low earth orbit down to like 20,000 feet in a matter of seconds. And then it just hovered there and it could move around at will. It could go up to speeds beyond our aircraft easily. It could match their speed and trajectory easily, all with no visible means of propulsion. And that is the new gold standard, right? That's something that still can't be explained. It only came to light because the pilots involved were frustrated that the Pentagon didn't appear to be investigating it whatsoever. And so those who had known about that and other incidences started their own sort of effort to bring it out from the shadows, which resulted in a news article in the New York Times in 2017. And that news article started the groundwork that gets us to where we are today. I give you that background. You can learn all about it, but that is an example of something that the Pentagon itself will say can't explain it. Project Blue Book in 1966 had a particularly interesting event to investigate. Uh, We're near uh, Ravina, Ohio, and some police officers see a disc-shaped silvery object with a bright light emanating from its underside about a thousand feet in the air, and they start following it, and then police from other jurisdictions get involved, and they're all chasing this thing in the sky for like 30 minutes until they get into Pennsylvania, and then it disappears. And that makes national news. Did the police just chase down a, a UFO? And Project Blue Book comes to investigate and figure this out and come to the conclusion that uh, the police had first been chasing a communication satellite and then the planet Venus. So all these cops who were undoubtedly driving and shouting and shooting their pistols in the air uh, were following a satellite. And then somehow the satellite, they got, they lost track of that, but they saw Venus and like, quick, get Venus. That did not sit well with the people involved. They felt they were not being taken seriously, much as the people today feel like they are not particularly taken seriously. And after Project Blue Book put out that conclusion, Ohio Congressman William Stanton said, quote, The Air Force has suffered a great loss of prestige in this community. Once people entrusted with the public welfare are no longer think the people can handle the truth, then the people in return will no longer trust the government. Does that sound familiar? It should. It's essentially exactly what uh, our man from Wisconsin said in July. Both Yankees, uh, Northern Ohio is Yankee territory. Uh, Stanton was a Republican from Ohio's 11th district, which was uh, east of Cleveland at the time, as I understand it. The modern 11th includes all of Cleveland and as represented by Democrat Chantel Brown. Point is that both the incidents about the UFOs And our reaction to them seemed to be essentially unchanged from the 1940s, 50s, 60s. 
We think that our pilots are seeing things that are the Pentagon's denying that aliens are crashing on the ground and we are scooping them up and not saying anything to the public. And how you react to that premise depends on where you come from. If you are from Appalachia, you want to tear into it and get down to the bottom of it and, you know, uh, uncover the cover up, as they said. If you are a Yankee, uh, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, you want to restore trust in public institutions by having more forthright transparency from the good people of the federal government. And if you're from the South, you're like, huh, that's interesting. <laughs> I have to say, you can look up maps of where UFO sightings have been, and they have been everywhere. But if you look at the notable sort of like moments that captured public imagination, they are generally not in the South. Like for whatever reason, we could get into it. Southerners do not appear to get too worked up about bright lights in the sky. To them, it is not like a pending threat. It is not as concerning as it is to Yankees or Appalachians, both who have great concerns about outsiders. Yankees are concerned that they are not good and just and part of God's people. And Appalachians figure anyone who isn't them is the enemy. Okay. But what about the aliens? Didn't, aren't we going to talk about the fact the guy said that we have non-human biologics? Isn't that important? Well, first, of course, you can go listen to everybody else. And by the way, plug for the uh, congressional dish on this because they did a great job. I'll put a link in the podcast notes to round up all the testimony on this subject over the last couple of years into a coherent narrative if you want to hear the actual testimony. But I'm going to give you the Neil deGrasse Tyson argument, America's favorite astrophysicist. I really listened to a podcast where he was asked about this and I liked his argument of probability. So I don't think that anyone in the scientific community totally dismisses the idea that there are species of intelligent life other than humans, meaning that in a nearly infinite universe, in a universe with billions and billions and billions of stars, billions and billions of planets, some of them probably have something comparable to Earth's biology. Like there might be another planet with liquid water where life has spontaneously occurred and that life has evolved to the point of being humans. Like in a scientific concept, that's completely reasonable. However, if we're going to play the probability game, as Tyson pointed out, just about everybody has a cell phone camera. There are video cameras everywhere. There are thousands of planes in the sky at any given moment on every day. There are satellites, millions of Elon Musk satellites circling the globe at all times. Don't you think we would have noticed? Like, how is it that we're only getting these grainy black and white videos out of the Navy? And so I think the probability works in both directions. Yes, there's probably life out there in the universe. And no, it's not likely that it's come here. Um, and I just want to point out that non-human biologics, as a communications professional, I salute you for that phrase. Because it sounds scientific. It sounds specific. But it's really neither. I what, Now, I'm not saying that they're trying to... Uh, be deceptive. I think the, what did it, Grush said, it was like, keep the aperture open. Like, let's not say aliens because that just gets the wrong idea in people's head. Let's say what we, it is non-human meaning we know people didn't make it. But, and what is, you know, what is a biologic? Do we mean like something other than like, what, other than a rock, other than gas? My point is that the mold in your shower and the fungus on the tree are both non-human biologics. And so to say that we uncovered uh, a UAP and non-human biologics could very well mean that NASA found a, an engine on the bottom of the sea that it, it's never seen before, can't really explain it, 
and it had a sea pig attached to it. Therefore, it had non-human biologics. Look up sea pigs, watch octonauts. They seem like they're aliens. Point is, it's just, it sounds exactly like, uh, you know, attach the electro gizmotron, Captain Spaulding. <laughs> you know, like it's, it sounds like the techno babble of the 50s, only it's modern. Like we are buying into it the same way we always do. Does that mean that there's nothing here? No. Uh, but, and I think it's, let's hang on to it. It's really fun to think about. And it is interesting to consider the possibilities of like meeting aliens. I mean, that's fun. Going back to summertime, I'm all for it. Let's talk about it. Let's think about it. It's fun. But I think to ground ourselves in being good citizens, let's just think I want to make the point that how we relate to that concept is greatly shaped by the culture in which we live. And that informs how we think about politics. That's it. That's the show. Thanks, guys. Go eat some popcorn and watch some crazy movies. Tell your family. Tell your friends. Tell the green man that wants to abduct you and experiment on you. He should listen to this podcast. He'd learn about Earth culture real quick. Thanks.